0: Welcome to the City Point Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. so good to be here. And uh, I love the church, hey? Man, you are a resilient bunch. To walk in today, to see the church and uh, see the deck chairs out. Uh, I just love it. I just want to... I want to clap and applaud you. You don't need to clap and applaud yourselves. I just want to say a big, big thank you to each and every one of you. But I would love us to put our hands together for Pastor Graham and Mel. Um, Hasn't been an easy year, uh, start to the year. And I just want to honour and thank you for your leadership. Uh, and those as well that come and support day in and day out. A big, big thank you for that as well. Uh, thank you, um, ladies, for coming to SWB. Thank you, ladies and men. I saw some men as well there serving the three nights. And so I just want to say thank you so much. I love our church hey? and what gets accomplished and done. And we saw so many ladies surrender their lives to Jesus over the last three nights. And I know there's gonna be a change moving forward. And so just wanna thank you for being just the most incredible church. And uh, we're in a series of elephant in the room. Probably I've heard, as I've gone across our locations, people just say, this is my favorite theme of the year, (laughs) is that when we unpack different topics and different things, we're living in a crazy world, hey? It's a crazy, crazy world. But I know this, is that the kingdom of God wins. And we've just got to keep standing and keep showing up, keep tapping into the power of the presence of God to transform the world around us. And so this morning, I want to share a message with you that's come out of a couple of experiences over the last number of weeks. A few weeks ago, I was in, uh, I was in Auckland visiting our location there. And uh, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was in Queen Street there in Auckland looking for somewhere to eat. And as I was about to cross the road, there, were, there was a gentleman on the other side of the road holding a placard. Uh, and as I read the words upon the placard, it was like, oh, it just doesn't really sit right with me. And so as we were sort of crossing the road, I, I got eye contact with him. You know how you just make eye contact with people from a distance? It's like, you know, you know I'm, I'm coming to have a chat. And he was, like, he was ready for me as well. We had the eye contact and gave him some smiles. And as I approached, he took out his ear pod uh, or his AirPod uh, there. And um, I said three words to him. And he said to me, his reply was, beep off. Like, it was three words. I'm a a nice guy. (laughs) But his reply to me was just, beep off. And so I just beeped off. Um, That (laughs) very same week, uh, I was reading an Instagram story from a person that I follow. And the story began with these words, saying, if you disagree, unfriend me now. I'm like, I was so tempted to unfriend that person right then on the spot. And as I considered these two experiences, I thought this, have we as individuals, have we as a society forgotten to how to maintain relationships with those that don't see the world exactly like how we see the world? There's no doubt, we live in a polarized world, but the world's always been that. There's always been differences of opinion around political beliefs and belief systems and doctrine. It's, It's always been the case. But have we forgotten how to listen to people who don't sound like you and I? Do we actually live in an echo chamber of life where the only voices we are hearing, where the only values we're supporting are those people that think and feel and act and believe just like you and I? Have we forgotten to maintain relationships with those that don't necessarily agree with our value systems and our beliefs. I think as a church we need to do so much better with engaging the world on certain issues and certain topics. Around us. But we're living in a crazy world. We see the redefinition of, of traditional you know, morals and values taking place, the arguments about when does life begin and when can life be ended. We have clashes of belief systems and religious systems in the world around about us. But these are not new things. These have been happening from the very foundation of the world. And so this morning, I want to camp around a passage of Scripture, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached uh, from Luke chapter 6. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. If we didn't have this sermon from Jesus, we'd actually have more prayers of, of Jesus than actual sermons that he preached. Is that he lived life like this? He, he went out and did <laughs> and backed up every word he said. Is that preaching always preceded the doing, but the writers of the Gospels, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote more about what he did than what he actually said. I wonder if you and I could live life like that. That would take the actual power of God into a lost and desperate world and see the sick healed, demons cast out, and people then following Jesus Christ because of signs and wonders, and then we have the opportunity to speak into their lives. And so here we have this great passage of Scripture, great sermon, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, reading from verse 20 of Luke 6. It says this, and then Jesus lifted up his eyes towards his disciples, and he said these words, "'Blessed are you poor.'" for yours is the kingdom of God. That's not really my definition of blessing right there. Blessed are you poor. Like No, no, Graham just told me God is my Jehovah Jireh. And God said, no, blessed are you poor, for yours will be the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Verse 22, this is gonna be the focus of my message. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you And cast your name out as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day. Oh my gosh, I just want to start punching someone right now. (laughs) Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Are you serious? For indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. This does not make sense from a worldly point of view. That, That is not my idea of blessing. That, that is like the antithesis of blessing. That, that's, not, that's not what my Bible says and how I'm going to live a blessed life. Is it going to be pressed down, shaken together. It's going to be running out all over. And God's saying, no, blessed if you're hungry. Blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> are you serious? Jesus' message was really simple here. He's saying the kingdom of God is going to come and invade this upside down world and make it right side up. And I have no doubt the crowd that heard this sermon that day, they, they were clapping and cheering on the mountaintop. Yeah, 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 this is awesome, Jesus. Oh like, yeah, you preach it. You preach it, like not fully understanding the depth of this word and the transformation that's required to actually live a life that looked like that. Like I, I'm thinking now, so I like the rarefied air of the mountaintop made Jesus just start speaking in riddles that we can't understand. Has the mountaintop experience just done something to him. It's messed with his mind. He's speaking words like this. How are we actually to live like that? How will we live a life when God says that we're blessed when men hate us and when they exclude us and revile us and cast our name out as evil? How am I designed to live life like that? Because I've got to come off the mountaintop someday. I've got to come back to sea level. I've got to start rubbing shoulders with humanity and that seems impossible for you and I to outwork and to outlive and to execute. Because it seems the world in which we live is that peacemaking seems impossible. His mercy is limited. His poverty crushes all the way through. And if you dare to be meek, you're not going to inherit anything. But Jesus is saying that this is how he wants us to live life. The Beatitudes us to do and to be and to see. And to live a life like this does not just require a change of belief systems. It requires every aspect of our lives to be transformed by the power and the presence of God. It's not just behavior modification. (laughs) This is total life transformation. And so the title of my message is this. This one word, cancelled, is that we live in a world where it's now hashtag cancel culture is that people get cancelled for having a wrong opinion, a different belief system to the world. Uh, I remember growing up as a family, my mum and dad used to cancel like newspaper and magazine subscriptions based upon the family budget. But now, we cancel each other. Well, what what a horrible even thought that humanity could be cancelled purely because of a different way of thinking, a different belief system. But yet we see it just taking place over over the last number of years on such a huge basis. But here, thousands of years ago, Jesus said these words, blessed are you when men hate you and exclude you and revile you. Not not that we are looking for people to exclude us and to revile us and to hate us. No, 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 that's not the goal. But the message inside of us, the truth that you and I are designed to stand in, will polarize humanity around about us. And so if you are standing up for the godly truth there, is that God's actually saying, blessed are you. Blessed are you when men revile you and hate you and despise you. But blessed are you for hanging on to that truth where you could so easily fold and succumb to the worldly views and the worldly values of God. said, no, you're blessed if you hold up and defend the truth that is inside of you. And so we live in this world of cancel culture. I've got a definition of what cancel culture is. It's this, it's a way of behaving in a society or a group especially on social media, in which it is common to completely reject and stop supporting someone because they have said or done something that offends you. Would you and I just toughen up? The world is so offended at everything. Seriously. I'm offended at their offence now. I'm like, I'm yeah. It's like, I don't like that word. I'm offended. I'm a, no, no, no. We've got to be stronger than that. But the idea of cancelling someone because they have a different worldview, a different opinion, a different belief about someone—that that's not God, how God has asked you and I to actually operate. But there are many supporters in the world in which we live who actually agree with this cancel culture. And uh, as I have done my research on this, I support cancel culture for this reason. Let me read it to you. The supporters see it as a vehicle where people have been marginalized for generations, are able to call out offensive and discriminating conduct by people, where marginalized people and groups can finally be heard. As I consider that thought of the supporters of this is that there is merit to it. There is merit to calling out individuals and different sectors of society and governments and businesses that that are not upholding the truth, that are doing the wrong thing. And I look at the life of Jesus, and Jesus called out people. He called out the religious leaders on a really regular basis. He called out the merchants that were in the temple there doing the wrong thing, doing shady business dealings. He called them out. But there is a great difference from calling somebody out to cancelling somebody. Is it calling someone out gives that person an opportunity to come to a place of repentance, a place of sorrow, to see that their behavior has been wrong? And how do I now modify that moving forward? Is it calling out is a good thing? People have called out things in my life over the years. It's a good thing if you can hear that and it's an honest assessment and you allow change to come around about your life and you move forward as a better human being. But to cancel someone does the complete opposite. It does not allow someone to say sorry. It does not allow someone to move forward. Is that they, they actually get cancelled. Their voice, their family, everything around about them. Is For you and I, that, that's not what we're designed to do. And if you have been cancelled by humanity, I want to let you know that our God is the great restorer. If your voice is being cancelled in your workplace, in your school, and in your university, would you continue to hold up the truth of an almighty God today? Blessed are you. And so my first question to us today, and I think it's the most important question that we must answer, is this question, what is truth? Well, what is your truth? In order to stand up for the, the things of God, you've got to know the truth of God. And the only way that you and I can know the truth of God is to dig deep into the Word of God and hear God's voice speak to us about His Word. Uh, the truth is thousand year, uh, 2,000 years ago, there was a conversation between a, a, a Roman political figure by the name of Pilate and Jesus. And this conversation took place in John chapter 18, as Jesus was standing before Pilate, and it says these words. And Pilate said to Jesus, so are you a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, and Pilate said to him, what is truth? I wonder what your truth actually looks like. Because for you and I to stand up and to def- for God and to uphold the Word of God is we've got to know what the truth of God actually looks like. So I wonder how you would answer that question. You see, how one lives and dies, who and what one values depends upon the answer to that question. What is truth? As I consider the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God, uh, 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 this, is, this is the Word of God. There is no error in it. There is no wrong in it. It's the Word of God. And yet, as I consider the Word of God, it is polarizing and it is offensive to the world around about us. And I've thought deeply, why is the Word of God so polarizing? Why why is this Word so offensive to the world that does not believe that Jesus Christ came and died and rose again and now see the right hand of the Father? Why? The first one is this, is that this... Is that this word identifies the human heart, the human condition. From the fall of mankind, it declares and says that you and I are sinners. You go out to anyone today, you go to this local supermarket today and just walk up and say, I'll let you know you're a sinner. That's offensive. Now, none of us like to be defined by that, by that three-letter word. We're sinners, like. But yet that's the state of the human heart. We, we are all sin, but we are sinners saved by grace. <laughs> but, but, but we are sinners. That's offensive to the world around us. The second reason why this book is so polarizing and so offensive is that it's so narrow in its path. It's narrow in its approach. It says this, Jesus says these words, there's no other way to the Father except by me. How do you think every other religion in the world feels about that line right there? That, that's offensive. That's polarizing in its approach. It's so narrow that there's only one way to relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that is via Jesus Christ, what he accomplished and did on the cross for you and I. That's polarizing. That's offensive. The third reason why it's polarizing and offensive, it says this, is that when you breathe your last breath, and if you are not in relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're not born again, is that you're now going to spend eternity (laughs) absent from the presence of God. That's polarizing, that that's offensive. But you know what? I stand on that's my truth. Of 42 years of being a son of God, that that's my truth. And and I know it can polarize people, it can offend people. But you know what? When you and I believe the truth of the word of God, it sets us free. <laughs> that I, I'm no longer a sinner. No, I'm a sinner that's saved by the grace of God, that he now favors me. Is that I've determined I'm going to walk a narrow, narrow path of life because that's going to give me life and life abundance there. Is that I'm going to follow this truth because I know my future is assured, not just in this earthly earth, but in, in, in eternity because I'm forever going to be in the presence of God. I, I wonder how you would answer that question of what is truth and what does it actually look like to you. I pray you dig deep into the Word of God and discover His truth for you around all of these different topics And not necessarily do you just jump on the internet and type in that. What is truth? It's not going to give you the true definition of truth. It's going to give you like the five tenets of postmodernism. It's going to give you a whole different thing. No, find the truth. Jesus said these were, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to find your way, if you want to find the truth, if you want to find your life, find Jesus. And so... Why has there been this proliferation of cancel culture? Why do we see the hashtag everywhere? Well, why do we see seven Polynesian footballers on the front page of the newspaper all week? (laughs) Why do we see them not even able to turn up to a game? (laughs) Because the police are saying, your life may be in danger. Are you serious? That seven days before they're on the field playing with their mates, Seven days later, the authorities are saying you better not even go to that game because fear what's going to take place. What a crazy world we are living in right now. Well, what is truth? Why has there been this proliferation of cancer culture? The first thing of research is there's so much research being done at the moment. But from the research I've gone through, there's three reasons why there's been this proliferation of cancer culture today. Is the first one is that we have a, an epidemic of mental health issues in our society not just in our nation, but across the nations of the world. And this I know about humanity is that hurt people hurt people. There was a young lady, I read a quote that she said about her current generation. She said this, "'My whole generation is like a bunch of little volcanoes. Right below the surface there is hurt, there is stress, there is anxiety, and they are about to explode.'" is there is an epidemic of mental health. The Word of God says "As we wrestle not against principalities and powers. Well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Is there something you and I need to wrestle against? It's not about those that want to cancel us. It's about what the attack of the enemy is right now doing to not just the young generation, but the whole generation. Is that we should be bombarding the kingdom of heaven, declaring the health, the mental health over our society right now. If there's something you want to fight for, fight for that. Don't fight against individuals and different belief systems and different doctrines. No, fight in the heavenlies that we're going to see freedom come over a generation. That there's not going to be this epidemic of mental health. Is That suicide would stop. And we found, we found over COVID, even in our own nation here, is that rates of, of mental health increase, but but suicide decrease. They're, they're wondering why, what, what's taken place in that area. Would you fight the right thing? No, don't fight humanity. No, no, fight in the realm of the spirit. Is that we embrace humanity and we fight on their behalf, even if we don't agree. Fight for your street and fight for your suburbs. Fight for this community. I love that we're coming in to pray next week for the whole purpose of fighting for our community. That there is enough hate that goes out of our community, spoken over our community every day. But the church, the living God, to stand up and declare, declaring the blessing and the favour of God over young people, over single mums and single dads that are raising households by themselves, We've got so much to fight for, not fight with. The second reason why there is this proliferation of cancel culture is that we're living in a world of deeply clashing worldviews. Political: Are you right? Or are you left? Where are you? Can I be in the middle? No. Choose a side. You're right. Or you're left. Like no, no. Clashes of we see of abortion, road versus wide. Yes, like. remember growing up, my dad used to say this to me and my four brothers. In our house, we don't talk about sex, religion, and politics. Anyone else's parents say that to you? Or just my house, all right? <laughs> but it seems all we ever talk about today is sex, politics, and religion. Let's change the narrative. But we've always lived in a world of deep clashing worldviews. It's not, it's not wrong. Jesus declared it 2,000 years ago. There's going to be these differences of opinion. And the third reason why there's been this proliferation of cancel culture, and many of you might be holding them in your hands right now, mobile phones and social media, is we now have a whole generation that has access to communicate to the whole world. Like that statement that even what we're thinking about this message, if you don't agree with me, just unfriend me now. That's offensive. Don't ever put anything up like that, please. And if you do, and I'm gonna follow you, I may just unfriend you, <laughs> even if I agree with you, because it's not how we do it. And we can put our posts on social media, and people can come in and disagree with us, and we get so offended that ones have disagreed with us. No, if you're stupid enough to put it up there, don't go along and delete all the negative part comments. <laughs> that didn't even exist. No, if you're, if you're stupid enough to put it up there, defend your argument. <laughs> defend it. Sometimes you just need to put that thing away. I don't know how many times I've done up a post, and I've looked at it again, you know, oh, I'll take it down, Mike, I don't even... I didn't even publish it. It's like, just, no, 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 that's not good. That's not good. But if you put it up there, defend it. Don't get Oh, my gosh, I can't believe people didn't. Like. No, you're silly enough to put it up. If you don't agree, just unfriend me now. No, no, we're to be a friend of all, even those that don't necessarily agreeing with our opinion. When I was growing up, my dad said these words. He said, I want you seen but not heard. We now live in a generation that are heard but not seen. Would you please be present to the generation in which we live? So as, as believers, we're confronted with two, tempta- two temptations in the world in which we live right now. The first temptation is this, is one that we can live in fear of being cancelled. That whatever we speak about City Point Church and we flash back to the beginning of this year and school contracts and college contracts because I'm just going to zip my mouth up right now because I'm fearful of my employment, my job. And I understand the reality of that. But the truth that you stand up for, don't live in a place of, of fear of being cancelled because you're standing on the Word of God. Is Don't allow fear. Don't allow fear to grip your heart, to shut down that ability for you and I to go into all the world to make disciples. Because right now we live in an age of, you know... We've got to be, we've like, tread carefully of who, what are we going to say? Where, where are we going to put things? No, no Jesus, Jesus roamed the earth, he, his region. He just continued to preach and do good works. Don't allow the world and the voice of the world to shut you down from executing life how God's asked you to execute your life. And the second great temptation we can fall into today's world is that we can join the bandwagon of cancellors. We can't beat them, let's join them. No, 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 no. So don't start cancelling others that don't agree with your belief system when it comes to such sensitive issues right now. You know, don't join the mob of cancellers and saying, well, you know what, you're wrong because this is my truth. No, 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 have a dialogue there. Or if you don't have a dialogue, let's, let's just zip our mouths. Let's just zip our mouths. So I found that every decision I make Every decision I made yesterday, every decision I made today, whether to get that McMuffin meal on the way up or not, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I got an extra hash brown that I really shouldn't have as well. And uh, I normally go a smear, but small, but I went a medium. I was, uh, Really bad choices today. <laughs> I'm just being very vulnerable with you. You're right. But every choice you and I make, Governed by one of two things inner principle or outer pressure. Every decision you want to make by the inner principle that's inside of us the truth of the word of God or by the pressure that comes externally to us is that the right? No, the, is the clock counting down. What, what time do I finish, mate? Because I just looked at like the third time and I still got 10 minutes 14 up there. <laughs> I'm like, 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 this is cool, it's not going. 25 past. we've got nine minutes, okay, buckle buckle in right now, okay, buckle in, buckle in, buckle in. Where are we going to go? So inner principle, out of pressure. Daniel, the book of Daniel is a really good book to read for these times in which we live it in, all right, open it up this week, go check it out. Genesis chapter one and chapter two, talk about three young men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they're now being immersed into a Babylonian culture, a way of doing life, The officials come to the king at a certain point in time and say, king, I think it would be a good good idea for you to make this ruling uh, that we're going to make this, why don't you make this big statue in the middle of the desert, the plain of Jura, and uh, when the music plays, why don't you get the whole society come and bow down and worship the idol that you're going to set up? The king's like, okay, let's do that. It sounds like a great idea, and so they do that, the music plays, and the... The society's got to bow down and worship this idol they've established, and if they don't bow down and worship, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, turned up to maximum temperature, seven times hotter than what it's usually heated. Lives will be perished. And so the music plays, society bows down, three young men stand. I don't know, and it doesn't tell us in the Word of God how many times this happens, that when the music plays, everyone bows down but these three young men stood up. I, I don't know how the frequency was, of that was or it was just one occasion and they were then thrown into the midst of the fiery furnace there. Is that there are some things in our world that you and I have got to stand up when everyone else is bowing because we will not change what we will not confront either. And so these three men, they're thrown into a fiery, fiery furnace, turned up to maximum temperature. The king looking in there on these three men, they, he sees a fourth like, the appearance of, of, the, of God there walking in the midst of the fiery furnace with these guys, they come out of that furnace unscathed. The, the, the guys, the security team that threw them in, perished because of the heat, but they were walking around free. You move on to Daniel chapter 6, there's a guy by the name of Daniel there. And as I've read the, the story of Daniel to my kids in the you know, the little kids Bible, it always sees that Daniel's a young man. Daniel's like seventy eight years of age here. He's 80 years of age. He's seen three kings in their lives. He's not a young man. And he's a top level of government. They can, he's perfect in every way. There's some guys that are same level, of the government with him. They're jealous of this guy. They're like, king, you know, let's do this. Why don't you make this plan that no one can pray to any other God except you for the next month? King's like, sounds like a plan. Let's do that. Daniel, 80 years of age, what does he do when he hears that news? It says he goes back into his house, he climbs the stairs, he gets down on his knees and he prays morning, noon, and night. Window open, the whole community can hear him. The report goes back to the king, that guy Daniel, he's praying morning, noon, and night. Decisions you and I make are going to be determined by an inner principle or outer pressure. And I consider with these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when did they get their victory? Well, when did Daniel get his victory? You want to come and answer? You were so close. It was like a right answer. Well, when? Did Daniel get the victory in the lion's den when he could have, should have been consumed by the lion? He wasn't consumed. Did they get the victory, the three young men the fiery furnace? No, I believe they got the victory back on the plane of Jura when they stood up. Daniel got his victory when he got back down on his knees and he prayed three times a day and saw the delivering power of God there. See, the frequency of our steps, of our stops, will determine the fervency of our steps. I encourage you, would you stop and spend some time with God? And out of that place, God adds fervency to our steps to go and change the world around about us. I wonder how you and I are going to make decisions this week, by the inner principle or by outer principle pressure. Seven minutes. We can do this. Are you ready? Luke chapter 6. If you can continue on from this Sermon on the Mount, I've come up with no clever titles, no, nothing else. If you open up your Bible, you're going to have the same thoughts, the same passage of scriptures that I have here, is that when Jesus finishes preaching this sermon, they come back to sea level. When they come back to rub shoulders with humanity, is he asks his followers to do four things four things that would change the world around about them, four things that will overcome persecution, four things that would enable the world to actually drop their weapons, even though they will keep fighting, is that there'll be ones who will drop their weapons because this is how we execute life, is that Jesus actually calls us to flip the script. And at the end of this sermon, the very next heading in Luke chapter 6 says these words. The heading is, love your enemies. Luke 6 and 27 says, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. No way. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's impossible to live. Well, I can't live like that. And I know a lot of you, and you can't live like that either. To love our enemies, if someone strikes you on one side of the cheek, just give them the other also, like, oh. If someone takes your jacket, you're going to run down the street after them saying, hey, take another one. That's not a normal response there. See, that's impossible to live out from a human perspective, but it is possible to live out when our lives have been transformed by the power and the presence of God, is that that could be our initial response to humanity around about us. And I have been so convicted on that of actually, how do I love those around about me? What's my first response when things happen to me? And that's not how I act. I want to get him. I want to take him down. I want to get one of my big mates to slap him back. Because I'm too little to do that. But Jesus says, You know what? I want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good to those who persecute you. I wonder if you and I can flip the script of what that initial hurt, that initial reaction would look like. In the world in which we live right now, is that tolerance is one of those buzzwords is that tolerance is seen as love, but tolerance is, is the complete opposite to love. Is Tolerance says this, you must approve of what I do, but love responds, I will love you even if your behavior offends me. Tolerance says, you must agree with me. Love responds, I will tell you the truth because I am convinced that the truth will set you free. Tolerance says, you must allow me to have my And love responds, watch me and I'll show you the right way, because I believe that you are worth the risk. See, tolerance seeks to be inoffensive. Love will always take a risk. Tolerance glorifies division. Love will always seek unity. Tolerance costs nothing. Love costs absolutely everything. Would you and I say, God, would you transform my heart that I could love even those ones that would be seen as an enemy. The next heading in Luke chapter six says this, do not judge. This is our response. Luke 6, 37 says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Wow, what a way to live life. Verse 41, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? For how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when we ourselves do not see the plank? <laughs> that is in our own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Would you and I live a life of no judgment, no condemnation to those around about us? And normally it's one of our first responses that we need the transforming power of God in our lives. That we consider the speck that is in a brother's eye over this whopping great big log coming out of mine. It's like clear the way, here comes Mike Mulhera and he's gonna bang, you're all you with, know, no, no. Consider that. Consider that before you put something on social media. Consider that before that comes out of your mouth. Judge not and condemn not. I, I love Jesus. Hey? I, he shows us how to do these two things just so wonderfully time and time again. He shows us how to respond in love and respond with forgiveness. There's a, a time he's in, the, he's in the outer court, the outer temple there and The religious leaders bring a a lady accused of adultery. She's been caught in the very act of adultery. The law says that she's got to be cancelled. She's worthy of the death penalty right there, right then. And so there's a whole heap of religious leaders there that got some rocks in their hand. They're willing to cancel her. There's a lady here. She's now probably just grabbed some clothes as she was caught in the very act, and she's just covered her body. She now finds herself in the presence of Jesus, but humanity wanted to cancel her. And it says these words, that Jesus gets down, he stoops on the ground, he starts just drawing something on the ground. He's crouching between a sinner and stones. I wonder how you and I respond when we're caught in a situation like that. I wonder what the response is going to be to those that have every right now to cancel because the law says so, but then the grace for the individual that's standing there is just... Semi-naked. I wonder how you and I are designed to clothe humanity in that moment. And says Jesus just starts riding on the ground. And he says these words, if you're, if you're without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. And as he's looking down, he just hears the sound of rocks just hitting the ground. On the ground. He looks around. He looks at the woman. He says, well, where are your accusers now? And she said, they've gone. Jesus stands and says these words to her. Go your way and sin no more. I wonder how you and I respond in that place. How do we actually cover humanity? And he covers her with incredible love and with great forgiveness and great grace. I think that's how we're designed to do life. And not all human beings are going to respond in the same way. Because most people would say, well, that's not even sin. What is sin? But she knew what that was. And we don't know the end of her story, but I believe that covering she received that day covered her for the rest of her life. And I pray that you and I, what we would cover humanity with, would be with them all the days of their life. That that they remembered that moment when that Christian when that one, I don't even know what their belief system is or necessary agree, but that time where they just offended me and loved me. I think we can change the world around about us. And then it goes on, we haven't got time to look at them. The third heading in that sermon was, a tree is known by its fruit. <laughs> when life is squeezes us, I wonder what comes out of us. And the fourth heading is, would you build upon the foundation, would you dig deep? would you build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ? In this world of cancel culture, is that we need a kingdom culture to reign. I've put together a table here. You can get out your phones if you want. You can take a photo of it and go back and have a look at it. I'll, I'll go through some of them. So kingdom culture is a kingdom of redemption. And those who've experienced the great love of God, we know it's a kingdom of redemption. Cancer culture is a kingdom of con- condemnation. Kingdom culture says with our sins and our wrongdoings that God chooses not to remember them. He's cast them as far as the east is from the west. Cancer culture keeps account of all our wrongs and sins. Kingdom culture, a place of forgiveness. It's free from shame. It's the truth that honors the past. It brings unity and agreement. It makes grace come alive. It's less of me and more of him. It restores the fallen. Kinder culture says, I don't have to agree with you to love you. And Jesus always lived like this. He called cancel people his friends. <laughs> Who do you associate with? Every day, ones that world would said, you're cancelled. You're an adulterer. You're a tax collector. Cancer culture is a place of unforgiveness. It brings shame. It searches for evidence to reinforce its perspective. It cancels the past. It cancels the past masquerades as unity as we the people. It, it's a place of judgment that kills. It says, it's more of me and no more of him. It seeks vengeance on those who stumble. It says, I'll only love you if you agree with me and it cancels people's are, are enemies, no longer friends. I, I wonder I wonder where I'm living right now. And God wants us to live on this side, this kingdom culture side. I think the book of Micah puts it so perfectly of how you and I are to live life and to do life. It says this in Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of each and every one of us? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Why don't we all stand this morning? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God, this morning just with every head bowed, every eye closed. where well, we are living in challenging days. But this I know about the nature of God is is unchanging in nature. He's unchanging. And for someone who is unchanging, it gives us a, a confidence we can place our lives in His life. And all's gonna be okay, because He's unchanging in nature. And I know the nature and the character of God is a nature of love and a nature of forgiveness, a nature of grace and a nature of mercy. It's a nature where He believes in you because you are created in His image. And yeah, as human beings, we can make wrong decisions and wrong choices. And as I said from the outset, is that we're declared sinners in the Word of God simply that we are separated from God is that we have a nature that dominates that separates us from God but Jesus loved you so much and God loved you so much that the plan of God was to send his son who would come and live and lay down his life for you on a cruel cross but death couldn't hold him down the third day he rose again in a place of victory and right now is seated in heavenly places with his heavenly Father. He, he, he bore upon himself a penalty, the penalty of sin that you and I wouldn't have to carry that penalty anymore. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given. And this morning, I don't know where individual hearts are positioned, but what I do know is I do know the saving power of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And it says if a, a man or a woman would have surrender their life and place your life into the life of God. We'd believe on Jesus Christ, you'd be born again. You'd be a place where the stain of sin, the condemnation, the shame of sin is no longer as He erases it completely. As you're now in a place of perfect unity and perfect harmony and perfect relationship with God. So this morning, this is the greatest miracle of all. I I just want to ask you is... I wonder how your life is with Jesus. Maybe maybe you've never known Jesus. You've never surrendered your life. And today, maybe that day, that'd be a great thing. Or maybe you're here today and as you consider that, you consider your life. and In this last season, maybe you're taking some backward steps. You've, you're no longer in that vibrant relationship with God. You just know today's the day I just need to come back. And if you're in either of one of those two groups of people, I just want to pray for you today you to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time. Or maybe today you say, hey, Mike, I, I just need to come back into the fullness of relationship that God designed for me. So today, if you're like that, I, I'd love to pray with you. And for the, identify those I'm praying for, I just love you right now in this moment. Just slip up your hand and just say, hey, Mike, would you pray for me? Thank you so much, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. Just slip up your hand say, I, I, I just need Jesus. Put it up high so I can see who I'm praying for today. Is there anyone else that would join with this young lady? And just say, Hey Jesus, I need you. I just need you. Every Father, I thank you for your saving grace. I thank you that this is the greatest miracle of all. Where a human life collides (laughs) with the most magnificent gift of all, the gift of salvation. And that's who you are, Jesus. And I pray right now that old things have passed away. Even words that have been spoken over you, sweetie, words that have kept you in prison and captive. That there's freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Your best days are ahead of you, because God is going to navigate your footsteps. And Father, I just thank you right now. She's declared as a daughter of the Most High God, not because of what she has done, because of everything you've done on her behalf. Father, we give you thanks today for your saving grace. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together, church. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, we thank you. We've got a table up the back there for anyone that's on that journey. I'd love to have a chat with you after the service as well there. Well, it's been so good to be with you. I wonder as we go out this week, I wonder how our decisions are going to be made the inner principle by outer pressure I I pray that we step on this side and we stand up we discover the truth of the word of God and I'm not moving from that truth I don't care what the world's shouting at me right now I I don't know I don't care about what the enemy's putting in my ears and whispering day in and day out over my life I'm choosing to stand on the truth of the word of God see we can change our world we can turn this world upside down can we just have a look at this last slide I've gone over time but I know you'll forgive me I won't be back for a little while so that's what, no, so So just that last slide I ask God this question on a regular basis how does this change? how do you actually win God? as I see the pain in the world around about us not just in our nation but nations across the world how do we actually win as believers? how do we see the book of Revelation the last chapters of that come to a place of reality for each and every one of us and not that I'm a not that I agree with formulas in the Word of God, but I've written a bit of a formula here. Is It says our actions and our unwavering faith, our trust in God, plus God's delivering power equals a nation changed in a day. Is it Daniel chapters one and two, because those three young men come out, is that nation is changed in a day. D- Daniel chapter six, Daniel comes out of the lion's den, a nation changed in a day. Your God can part the Red Sea overnight and a nation is changed in a day. Is a nation walks into the promised land after 40 years of wilderness and a nation is changed in a day. It's not about the day, the time that precedes that. It's about God's delivering power. That if you and I continue to do the right thing, is that God can change a nation in a day. Is that God can change a life in a day. Would you and I uphold our actions and our truth and our unwavering faith in a living God and believe in His power and His authority and His dominion and our city, our state, and our nation can be changed. You and I have got the greatest thing inside of us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Let's tap into His knowledge and His wisdom and His power, change the world around about